0: Episode 92 of Gaming B.S. Welcome to Gaming N.B.S., a podcast about tabletop RPGs and other miscellaneous geekery. I'm one of your
1: hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back for those of you who have been here all along. Yeah,
0: let's get into announcements, Brad. Let's just cut it.
1: Let's just go right to the right to the meat of this thing. Word. So I had a chance to play some Dungeon World. I am working on a little side project with. Uh, well, thank you, thank you. Doing a little side project with Chris Sneezak from Misdirected Mark, and uh, our usual game we weren't able to pull off. So Chris did the old Sneezak and said, "Hey, check your email," and boom, had me a playbook. Uh Dwarven Warrior, Dwarven Fighter, pull in uh put him together. Character creation was a snap. Very, very fast, very nice. And uh we did the Airy Peaks, Chris's uh, dungeon world setting that he and uh Phil and the guys that encoded designs are working on. It was a hell of a good time, and uh that's my first uh experience in person with any Apocalypse World powered game. So that was pretty freaking cool. I had a good time, and I will play it again.
0: You know Absolutely. what you know, what, you know what I call the airy peaks? What's that? Is when I look under, I lift my arm and look under my armpit.
1: I, I just, uh, man. <laughs> anyway, it it was it was enough fun that I almost regretted sending my hardcover copy of Dungeon World over to uh, the guys for uh, earlier this year, but. But I know it will be put to much better use in their hands. So uh, anyhow, I had a good time with it. That was fun.
0: Yeah, as long as it's not with the with Chris where he's gonna mark it all up and use it as a coaster. I don't even want to. I don't even want to talk about
1: that. I'd probably <laughs> he'll
0: probably bend the pages back like a paperback. Stop!
1: I think he gave it to Phil. I think Phil has he it. I th- I th- okay, good, good. Yeah, I think I think it's, so. It's being. It better be anyway. Um, just to get me wound up there. Anyhow, um, <laughs> Sean, we got our trivia set up. We talked about this last episode. You got the trivia done.
0: Yeah, it'll be up,
1: uh, I think. Whoa, whoa! It'll be up means it's not up.
0: Well, no, it is, but nobody has the link.
1: Oh, so why? Why does no one have a link, Sean? Uh,
0: because I don't like the color.
1: <laughs> Sean doesn't like the magenta <laughs> color of the. <laughs> I upload like away. our logo,
0: and it changes like the background to like some goofy, I don't know, off purplish thing. It's right. ugly. I don't like it. it it irritates me, Brett. It, okay. it actually—it actually brings me anger.
1: Okay. Well, once that's done, and uh, Sean is off his uh, his, his color and hide horse, or whatever we got here. I don't know. Anyhow, once we're done with that, do we'll... it.
0: Yeah, do I'll it. put it up. Yeah.
1: All right, we'll get it out there, and once it's out and live, we will have it out for uh, listeners all over the place. So we've got some goodies we'll give out to. I don't know if it'll be one big. Uh, sack of goodness, or if it will be multiple smaller sacks of goodness, we'll see what happens. So that's all we got there. Shall we random encounter it?
0: Yeah, let's random encounter. Do it. Random encounter segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails and comments from social media. Got a few this week. I'll start. Michael Dresher emails us. I'll pick on D and oh, I'm sorry. Let's skip the line. <laughs> Reading is hard.
1: Well, starting in mid, starting mid uh, diaphragm is much more fun. Start
0: in the middle of a sentence in the middle of a paragraph.
1: (laughs) Damn the context. (laughs) Let's just get.
0: Maybe I'll start at the end and read back, like read backwards.
1: Yeah, don't do that. Right to left. Don't don't do that. All right.
0: In my experience, the game breaks its. Okay. Hold on. Episode 91, Powerful Items. In my experience, the game breaks itself at least with many of the fantasy RPGs I've run, and I'll pick on D&D and Fantasy Age. Every race, save for humans and halflings, have dark sight slash dark vision, which makes torches and lanterns minor or outright pointless. Everyone in my D&D group, player, has a water skin, but no one uses it. I'm using water and rations as requirements for travel and games I run, as seen in Torchbearer and Dungeon World. Magic items seem specifically designed to break the rules, which is all well and good, but I would appreciate some recoil, like in Dark Sun, or Meaningful Cost was attached to them. Unrelated, I'm trying to run a Dungeon World game, and I'm having trouble wrapping my head around fronts, particularly in the format laid out in the book. Perhaps an episode on campaign
1: construction. I think campaign construction could indeed be a good episode. And if nothing else, with my uh, my new encounter with Dungeon World, I would not mind pulling up my electronic copy and giving a, another read through on the front section. So maybe we could pull that out there in the next episode or two.
0: Yeah, it sounds like an option for sure. Fronts, I, I tend to kind of put them to the side, although I get it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's such a di- it's a different concept that I'm used to, and I think we inherently in a lot of games have fronts. We just don't. We don't outline it as uh, black and white as
1: Dungeon World does. Yeah, sometimes it, it's the uh, it's a vocabulary thing, right? Where right uh, uh, definition definitions mm. and vocabulary. You know, oh, you're using uh, the word front, and that may mean X, which we've always used in the past as gamers. So cool. That's right. Yeah, I'll get the next one. Uh, VC uh, VC Young. He emails us. It says, hello guys, my name is VC, pronounced V-C. So VC already knows Brett and Sean's inability to pronounce names, so well done. <clears throat> uh, I'm a new listener to your podcast, and I'm about 20 episodes in, and I have to say you're doing a great job. Keep the game talk coming Well, thank you, VC. That's very kind of you. Also, I was listening to episode 91. I jumped ahead to see what you guys had to say this week while I listened to the rest of your episodes at work. See, VC, smart gamer, started at one, working forward. Did a little jump ahead, but he's still catching up. Smart, smart, smart. And he continues with, I thought I'd weigh in on the subject of loot and powerful items. I've been doing D&D since about 2008, got into it in college, and I've been DMing since about 2009. Usually when it comes to the subject of loot, I go with the loot tables and the the setting provides. If I'm doing a homebrew, I'll use my own or the D&D 3.5 one with some modifications. I've come to find out that it's not too often that my players actually get too powerful or get items that make it too difficult to run a game. I won't give then take items, as was mentioned in the podcast, but I will scale up encounters to make sure they stay in check. If they got a plus five long sword of ogre slaying, the next combat has ogres involved. I might give them uh, uh, a few PC levels and another monster into the mix or even make the monster special in some way, um, uh, like giving them max hit points. And the other solution I have is I feel the groups, if I feel the group's getting too powerful an item, I have a special set of loot dice that always roll high for rewarding loot. I change the items around. Instead of another plus five longsword like above, I might change it to a bag of gems with equal value or something odd like a crate of exotic spices. The group uh, still gets rewarded for their efforts and keeps them from walking around like gods. It's also really funny to see the reaction they get when with the oddball loot, like a tribe of 40 ogres worship the solid gold chicken. That's kind of funny to me. <laughs> Thanks for your time, guys. Keep up the good work and happy gaming. What do you think, Sean? Mm. Yeah.
0: Chicken. Golden chicken exotic
1: spices. Just just some way to mess with players. That's I like that idea. I do, too. Okay. Next one is up to you, sir.
0: All right, so some comments on Google Plus regarding episode 91. Before we go
1: too far, I got to say, VC, thank you for listening. I'm I'm sure we said that somewhere in there, but it's always awesome to get new listeners. So thank you very much. We do appreciate that.
0: Yes, my mind said thank you. My mouth did not follow. Yes. There's a disconnection there. Sometimes (laughs) that gets shorted out.
1: We we both have that problem. (laughs) Anyway, comments time.
0: I've gone to the doc and, you know, he's... He's worthless. Oh, they hey, thanks, Obama. <laughs> nice. All right, uh, <laughs> Nice. Hawk Sparrow. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Ah! Kind of a redundant name there, Hawk Sparrow. I, I like it. Now, he's explained to, to us well, how he got it, but none, nonetheless. More power. One idea may be to associate that, quote, uh, plus one sort of ass-kicking End quote, "with some other local source of dark power if the pc's abuse the sword or if it begins to cause imbalance incent the party to leave town resulting in the reduction of the sword's power now they will want to return to town to replus up the sword once they return to town that source of dark power is waiting for them if they continue to abuse the sword then have them defeat its source thereby destroying" The sword's power, along with it, huzzah! I like that. Yeah, I I think that's got a lot of potential.
1: It's this, it's that idea of you know some kind of way to balance it out. There's more than just a you know bucket of plus one swords laying there. There's something more to it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. uh, Me, I would just like it works this time. It doesn't work that time. Works this time. They do it randomly. Like when you're in town, it it works, and then. They leave town, it doesn't. So then they'll equate it to the town. Yeah. No, so then they go back town. to town yeah. and lure the monster into town, and then it, it doesn't still work. still won't work, yes. Right, then it doesn't work. Nice. But then they leave town,
1: and it works. I see. Like,
0: way to keep them on their
1: toes. <laughs> or drive them to, to crucify you on the other. <laughs> all right, Jim P- Fitzpatrick commented, Nice episode, guys. I run a pretty low magic item campaign and try not to put any items in circulation that I don't want someone using all the time. If I give out magic items, I tend to make them small, consumable, and less useful in combat. <coughs> Excuse me, like Dust of Tracelessness or a Hat of Disguise in my Pathfinder game. The trade off I make with my players is that I will ask them what their characters want and try to fulfill those requests within reason. If a character wants a minor weapon upgrade or something to help with stealth, cool, but if they ask for a plus 10 Vorpal Blowgun, no chance. Vorpal Blowgun? I love the idea <laughs> of this little. And bam, the guy's head just <laughs> gets g- blown completely off. It's the 50 caliber blowgun, is what that is. Um, it's the uh, it's the 50 caliber Barrett sniper rifle of blowguns. Um, anyway, Jim goes on with, "I've also been running some cipher games lately. I love the single use mechanical items that make up the backbone of that system.
0: That would be Ma- magical items.
1: Brent. Magical items, oh, not sorry.
0: mechanical <laughs> items.
1: I said mechanical, didn't I? Ooh, you magical. did. It, magical it, it, items. The GI and CH." It can get tricky. It does. It does. Especially when you're mad at your computer. Anyhow, (laughs) (laughs) it makes every session different and also creates an interesting set of decisions for the players since they only carry a limited amount and have to decide whether to use their items or hang on for just the right situation. As an added bonus, you don't have to worry about that magic item you gave someone in level three still being there at level 15 and them doing some... Kender Pockets BS where they have exactly the right item that you forgot they even had and they short circuit your perfect trap. BS is not a trademark of gaming and BS. (laughs) Unfortunately, no, (laughs) we tried, we tried, can't get it.
0: Yeah. Cypher. I haven't read into the uh, magic items piece of Cypher yet. It's on my to-do list. Uh, But for those that aren't aware, everything is done like in levels for Cypher. And you multiply it by three,
1: and, and then every then you, you, you everything's use player to facing, reduce right? it Huh? Everything's player facing, right? It's all player die rolls.
0: That would be correct, Brett. Okay, uh, but not to get into a ton of cipher, but uh, interesting. Yeah, I would never want to give uh, players items that I wouldn't want them to use, like you know, well, like a I said in the episode, of, a bag right? of flour,
1: yeah, wa- water, <coughs> water. Beef jerky, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: as I said sure. in the episode, or at least as I recall it, I haven't I, I don't I didn't listen to it just before the show. But anyway, that you know, the old school random I'm sorry, guess what? You just have this thing. So uh that's kind of cool though. Anyway, next one's over to you, sir.
0: Matt Martinez continues from his last current email. So I think we read it in episode ninety one where he had a player who was um the party went and did their thing, and yeah, the he had somebody who was like everyone's board. dicking around dicking around board? yep yeah he doesn't he uh does, he or she doesn't like the social aspect, and they were kind of getting into the social aspect of the role playing game, so he continues uh in this one Brett it's eerie how accurate you were in describing not just my friend's play style but also the type of character he's playing. he very much wants to be. Be able to do the Errol Flynn type swashbuckling maneuvers. I even ran into a bit of a problem when he wanted to disengage from a monster by somersaulting over it. And I kind of froze up, unsure how to adjudicate that. I realize now that I probably should have just treated it like a disengage action and said that the somersault was just narrative flavor. There you go. Answered your own question, Matt. Not bad. At least that one.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, though, I think as Matt's getting here, is that when you, if you have a player that's doing stuff like that and it's not the other player, even if you as a GM are used to it, you're like, oh, yeah, no, I can roll with that. I can do that. But if no one else, if you've got like four or five men and women at the table and no one else is doing it, and suddenly Angela's like, yeah, I want to do this crazy, you know, sometimes it can be just shocking to the, uh, to the old GM system. Like, oh, crap, this person wants some narrative fun and no one else cares, you know?
0: I find it incredibly jostling when that happens because usually players don't do that.
1: Well, there's no point in doing it in your game there's, because of that's not where the train lends off.
0: <laughs> that, that may be true.
1: That may be true.
0: Now I have a new problem, unfortunately. Another group member has said that she might leave the game altogether because she feels the group dynamic leaves her character feeling redundant. She's playing a rogue with the arcane trickster archetype, but finds that the assassin is a better stealth guy, and the warlock is a far more proficient magic user. Admittedly, part of the problem is that I've let the group get just a little bit larger than I'd intended. There are six players. I've offered to let her either tweak her existing character or let her roll up a new one entirely, but I have yet to hear back. No matter how this plays out, I can't help but feel I just don't have the best handle on keeping the entire group engaged, and I need to figure out how to address my DMing deficiencies.
1: You know, honestly, Matt, I think you know this could. Uh, there's there's a ton of there's a ton of stuff Matt has come has asked us a couple different questions over over um, a series of shows here, and I don't necessarily think Matt, this isn't really a DMing deficiency. I think it's kind of one of those pieces where are you comfortable having that many players at the table? If six is too many, six is just too damn many. I do know people that, I mean, I said it before I I had 13 at one point was my max and I was running basically what was a quasi LARP for my vampire game ages back. And that was okay. (coughs) Excuse me, because the way that game played, the way everybody interacted and so forth. And it worked now, the types of games I'm running and so on, I'm I cap myself at about 8 is the max I will have, but I'm normally in the 6 range. That's plenty for me. And I know a number of other people are like, look, 4. 4, maybe 6 tops and, or 5. They don't like to get larger than that. And it doesn't mean, in my opinion, I don't think that's a deficiency of, of the game master. It's like, look, this is how I like to run games. It's easier for me to keep control of this thing. I can give the players more of what they want. I can interact better. And it's easier to uh, to deal with stuff like this when you have fewer people or something that's in your sweet spot. There's no reason that says, yeah, at some point you might be able to add, <coughs> excuse me, that magical sixth or seventh player. But at that point, you'd be. Um, my my suggestion would be, hey, I've game with Sean before. If Sean wants to come and be that sixth player at my five player table, I know how Sean plays. The group likes him this, this might work, you know, you kind of wean yourself into it, but, uh, I don't necessarily think that's a deficiency per se.
0: No, but here's the trick. Mm-hmm. If you bring more players to your table, it's easier to go
1: up than it is down. Yes. Oh my right, God. That's a, very, that's a very good point. It's hard to look right? at somebody and say, Hey, guess what? You know, what, Sean <laughs> and Sean and Phil, um, yeah, I don't need you anymore. Could you both not show? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're kicking me out, because I'm the new guy. Well, I really only wanted five people and now I've got seven. And yeah. And,
0: and you suck.
1: I didn't want to say that out loud, Sean, but yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> kinda that you're right. You're right. It is it is tough where if you if you let someone in Man. because as as social as the gaming experience is, we've talked about this many times. It's hard to look at a fellow gamer across the aisle and say Angela, I'm really sorry, but I, I, I need you to not come anymore. <laughs> you know, and the gamers, like, what do you mean? Is there a problem? There's too many gamers. Um, I, I can't do that. <laughs> or, yeah, that's it, 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 a tough conversation. It's a very good point. Yeah.
0: So if somebody's going to drop off, you've got to be able to be okay with that. And if it's repeatedly and they're never going to show and you got to cut them. And then you bring somebody on and then they want to come back. You got, you're going to be prepared to say no or have that bigger group and know that you may have a difficulty, a difficult time if it's too big to trim it back down.
1: Now, the other piece is, is Matt, I don't know how much free time you and this group of people have. I know I have a limited amount, right? And I have certain games I play and, and so forth. So I used to back in the day have a situation like this if it would have hit me i've been able to say hey guess what that's fine you know what i'll run a second game <clears throat> you're a good player how about you um chris and Ange and and uh, emily you guys show up and we'll i'll run a second game for you every other week how about that you know i i'm good to run a game every week and i'm already running every other week with this crew i'll just have ah. you run a different one now, yeah. now you, they're, they're, I'm just saying that it comes uh, down to free time and desire and so forth. The other piece, is that... Yeah, and though, then what's going to
0: happen is Sean's going to go, but Brad, I don't want to play with
1: those three. I want to play with
0: those two over there.
1: I know. It can get wonky, right? Yeah. So the other piece is that if you want to keep the person, I think, honestly, Matt, what you did was offering to either tweak the character or make up a new one. Um, I think those are perfectly legitimate, and that's honestly what... I, those would be my immediate go-to things. Hey, you feel... Um, you feel redundant. You don't feel like you've got something. You know what the group doesn't have is X, Y, or Z. What else do you think would be fun? And if the individual is kinda you know, just to be blunt, if they're really bullheaded and they're like, No, <clears throat> I really wanted to be this person, God damn it, and I can't because of this, that, and the other thing, it it sucks. And I don't know your relationship with this with this uh with this uh, woman who's playing with you, but she may have to leave and you might say, I'm sorry, I, I know you're not happy, but you know, I'm not going to make anybody else change a character if giving you an opportunity. If you're not happy, if you leave, that's fine. I won't be mad at you. Maybe you can come in next time, which is always the nice way to let somebody walk out and not have to have it wreck uh, a friendship or a relationship. Sean, what do you think about that?
0: I would, I would try to, with that player, find out if you can kill their character and nobody else know about it. <clears throat> Say, Hey, okay, that's cool. What I'd like to do is, is, kill off your character in some way and then uh, have you create a new one.
1: You know what? You just hit me with an idea here is the, instead of can I kill your character is like, you want to be a doppelganger? Do you want to be a, you want to be a turncoat? You want to stab oh. this group? Be, if it, depending on your group, I could see that working depending again, depends on the group that just hit my mind. I'm like, Ooh, that could be, that's more of, that would be fun for Brett knowing my players, but I don't know these people. So I don't know if that, if that would even work or Christ, that could even engender more. I hate you. I hate this game. I hate your stinking face type of attitude. It could get kind of ugly. So, wow. I'll tell, you, it, I'll tell you, Matt, that's that's not easy because it's you're dealing, at this point, it's not just game balance or making sure everybody has enough to do. It's somebody has a player impact where somebody's like, I I feel like I'm redundant. I feel like I'm Everyone's better than me. I feel like I can't do something. Honestly, I think your ideas, um, what you're trying to do here are the, the two things I would uh, suggest you try right out of the gate. I'd be curious to see if that person ever does come back to you or what happens from this. Sean, you got something else? I've
0: got another idea. Yeah? So if she feels she's redundant to another, to another party member, mm-hmm. kill, kill the other party member. That's what I was going with. I'm like you yeah. want to be a
1: doppelganger? Fucking kill the assassin. No, but just
0: like ax them off completely and then you, hey, there you go. And then make the other person create their a new character.
1: Yeah, that'll work. Where I so Whoever else it, just find the find the person who's having the most fun in the group and just fucking kill their character. That'll teach them. Right. <laughs>
0: but not the player.
1: No, no. If you kill players, then we'll get another we'll get another letter. So, um anyway, Matt, I, I do not envy your position, man. I I feel bad for you. Sean's dropping Oops. things over there. I'm
0: dropping my my, co- you know, coasters are awesome when they stick to your glass. Yes,
1: they are. Jeez, Matt. Honestly, though, dude, I'd like to hear what happens with this with this lady you're working with here. If you you've asked her to tweak or maybe roll up a new one, hopefully she takes you up on it. Um, the other piece is that from a again to to pick on the the phrase DMing deficiency. If you're like, damn, I shouldn't have let. If you think the lesson learned out of this is, hey. Six players is just too many for me. Next, if worst case scenario is it doesn't work, she leaves the game, is frustrated. Okay, your lesson, your lesson. Don't, ba- in, you're less don't in, backfill her. Don't backfill. No, you're exactly your lesson. It's recruiting time. Le- <laughs> <You're> don't <laughs> backfill. Don't backfill. But seriously <laughs> though, your lesson learned. And Sean, I think you'd agree with me. It's like, look, click. I will not do that particular thing again. If I want this game to have no more than five players, I will have no more than five. And when someone says, I really want to play, say, I'm sorry, I'm full. We'll wrap up here. Let's. I'll see what the next game is. Maybe I can get you in next time. So even if that's the the lesson you take away from it, I think that's absolutely legitimate. And just that itself, I believe, will make you a stronger game master. Just to great GMs.
0: Great GMs are brought from
1: mistakes. Learn from <laughs> their mistakes. Absolutely. Except
0: except for one person, I know.
1: I'm right here, dude. Not you, Brett. Okay. <laughs> There's one person I know Yeah, that's just born great. Oh, you're going to name names? No, I'm not. You're not? Because it's a mystery. No, I might, maybe. Maybe someday?
0: If you think I if you think I know the GM, write in
1: and let us know All who right. you
0: think we're talking about, think, I'm talking
1: about. I think I might know who it is. Oh, I'll, talk an, I'll talk to you off the line. I'll talk to you off air about a, that.
0: It's a mystery. All right. There's only one natural born great awesome GM God.
1: Okay, we'll see. Anyway, Matt, oh, stepped on me.
0: Topic of the day.
1: Yes. Well, you stepped on me there. Anyway, Matt, we're going to get one last one in for you. Matt, I appreciate you writing in and asking us these questions and, and uh, kind of bearing your Game Master soul to us. That's pretty. It's pretty uh, gutsy, honestly. So uh, thank you very much, and I, I hope we are able to help in some way.
0: And if not, we are just simply here to entertain. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Worst case is um, we you could go, guys. I didn't fucking help at all. What's wrong with you two idiots? And we'll just say, hey, we're two idiots. So right. Well, come on, would you? I mean, would you, <laughs> you got what would paid, you paid. You got what you paid for. the I mean, worst case. <laughs> anyway, on the topic of discussion, uh, kind of leading in with that horrible bit of humor, I want to talk about humor, <laughs> humor at the table. Humor, um, seriously? A little bit. Yeah. Isn't That funny. And so, hey, that's funny. That's fucking funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> part of this came to me. So, people when,
0: wonder if we're, that's still seriously the topic.
1: It is. It's absolutely. It is, it, it is. is. It is totally we're absolutely topic. serious. I'm seriously going to talk about humor, or at least trying yeah. to, anyway. Um, when Sean and I were running, Sean was running. Excuse me. Sean's running the uh, Edge of the Empire game, and we get together, and we had a while back. We had a session, and. Um, Steve is playing this uh, assassin droid, um, and he's he's got this great character. He plays it well, and we've had some of the funniest goddamn moments I can remember in recent role playing history in my in my time. It's just fucking hilarious. I love it, and we've all had these great bits. And <clears throat> there's like <laughs> there's 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 blue humor floating back and forth. Where there's out of character, in character stuff. We keep moving the plot forward probably a little bit, probably not as fast as Sean would like. But damn, we're having a good time. When the guns come out and shit starts to get real, I believe the group kind of, we kind of tighten the screws back up and we get in there. And we get serious when we need to. And uh, last, this last Wednesday, playing with uh, Chris Nizak and, and the others and Emily and, and so on with the, um, and Tom in the Dungeon World game. We had a moment where something happened, and of if Chris ever <laughs> releases the audio, you'll you'll know it when you hear it. Um, it it got kind of wacky funny, and there's plenty of different there's plenty of laughter. And the more I've thought about it, I'm like, you know, I have never played a role playing game, even a nasty ass Cthulhu vampire game when you've got, you know, in one of Brett's games, there's dead babies, even at some point where we're not laughing out loud at something funny that has happened. And I think that's pretty freaking cool. And I think it might be one of the things that makes this hobby so really enjoyable, but there are always limits to such things. So, Sean, what's your thought about uh, <laughs> players enjoying themselves enough to laugh? What, what do you think about humor? There's, in only, the
0: game? there's only one way for me to take care of that. Yeah, TPK. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's laughing at the end of that. Who's laughing now, you, motherfucker? Y'all yeah, dead. Me, let me tell you who's taking the game seriously now, Brett.
1: <laughs> nice. Seriously, though, what do you, um, do you have, is there a tolerance level? Now, f- let's just talk game master side. Um, there's always that, um, that no Monty Python quotes stopped. I mean, and there's probably younger gamers out there who don't even know who the hell Monty Python is. <laughs> this is a horrible time for them to live. The anyway. horror. Um, regardless, though, um, do you have a limit, dude? Is there something where you're like, oh my God, this needs to stop?
0: I do have a limit and I have encountered it and I didn't handle it properly.
1: Ooh, do tell! Dish, dish,
0: dish. Uh, I, we, I have. I don't even know if he listens to the show. He could. Um, who right. knows? He won't
1: after this. Hey, one listener on.
0: I mean, as soon as I start talking about it, they're gonna know who I'm talking about.
1: All right, lay it on me.
0: Um, it, and I think it was. Um, so I won't name the campaign or the group, but let me just say that there was somebody in the group that felt it was a night at the improv almost every night we played. Oh, and, and I'm okay with humor because I think that it does bring some levity. I think a lot of movies and um, I think a lot of movies and books um, and things of that nature, TV shows, even serious ones do. I mean, even the Lord of the Rings has little, little bits of pieces of humor.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You kind of, at certain points you feel you almost need that from a story beat perspective. If everything is dour and taciturn and everything is doom and gloom, that can, right. that can be pretty intense, especially if you're playing a campaign.
0: Well, and there, I mean, let's face it. I mean, we're, we'll, we'll just say that we, Brett and I are middle-aged guys playing, you know, made up, made up stories, uh, rolling dice. You know, like we were 13 and um, we don't have to take it so damn seriously, right? I mean, we're not,
1: absolutely, we're absolutely. not recreating
0: Shakespeare here.
1: That's one of the, that, one of the things <laughs> I think, this goes back to a way earlier episode where we talked about, are you gaming for story and so forth? Um, and I, th- I th- kind of think back to that and I, I think about the things that happen at the table and some of the, some of the game stories we've had are just amazingly cool and fun and all like, oh, this epic moment. But some of the other stories that we'll tell that come across from a game table is, oh my God, the inside joke. You know, if you've been gaming with my group long enough, you know, there's certain things that Brett will do that that's an inside joke. Oh, that again, you know, it's, uh, yeah, whether it's like the dead babies thing or, oh, guess what? It's another one of these or whatever the case is. And every group has an inside joke. All your friends do. And when your gaming club or your group gets together long enough, those things become fun. And, um, the, the goofy part, though, is that <clears> – <throat> I shouldn't say goofy part, but the, the danger everybody ta- – at least I shouldn't say everybody, but whenever I've heard folks want to talk about humor and stuff in a serious light, is that when it becomes too much and it detracts from the game or it wrecks everything. And I think there's – I think there is a level of too much, but I kind of liken it to uh, – in a way, I can't remember who said it, but it's the, you know, is it art or is it pornography? Well, I know it when I see it type of thing. And depending mm. on the mood of the game – if you're playing, the group is playing, the whole table erupts in just belly laughter, and it becomes a weird... Maybe that's what the group needed. Maybe everyone's stressed out and tired, and this fight with the orc on the chasm and this weird goblin thing and whatever happened is just what everybody needed to do. And you, quote-unquote, wasted the whole night telling jokes and uh, having a few beers, drinking chips, drinking soda, eat, drinking chips, eating chips, drinking soda, and just having fun. Yeah, you didn't advance the plot much tonight. You didn't do this, that, or the other thing. I, I know for a fact I've I've game with people that, that pisses some gamers off to no end, and uh, I've had some people say, "Well, I just get the stick out of their ass. What the fuck is wrong with them?" But I, I you know, I, I kind of get it. Right? Some people want to make sure that the story continues, but I think they're um, every once in a while, kind of having the entire session honestly break down in gales of laughter is totally fine.
0: I think that my rule of life – are you ready to hear Sean's rule of life?
1: Lay it on me. Hang on. Let me get paper, paper. Got it. Okay, go. Sean's rule of life. Number one or just master rule?
0: Well, it's kind of the overarching – Ooh. Yes. This is going to be quite profound, Brett. I'm waiting for it. Brace yourself. Braced. Anything done in great extremes is dangerous and could and and probably bad. And you can apply that to lots of things. In this case, we're going to apply it to humor in RPGs. <laughs> Not anything else political, but humor in RPGs. So, it's nice in sprinkles. Um and it also depends on the game you're playing, right? I think paranoia I haven't played it's gotta be kinda hilarious, right? Yeah. The whole premise is kinda hilarious.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's wacky, slapsticky, crazy. I mean, you could try to play it serious. I've never been able to pull it off when I played it. Tune. <laughs> yeah. Very,
0: good mean, yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Let's play some tune. I mean, hey, let's play a serious game.
1: Of tune. Of tune. <laughs> How the fuck are you gonna do that? Yeah. No, man. hey,
0: Brett. <clears throat> the A. No, no effing uh, no, around.
1: No F around. We're playing tune, man. Get in. We're it. playing
0: tune now. Quit dicking around. Get that anvil and hammer out and- <laughs> Bonk somebody's head.
1: <laughs> Get the professors of comedy on here. We need to talk about this. That's right. So I think, though, that apart from being fun, right, in that l- lightning, sometimes dark moments, and sometimes if from a story beat perspective, one of the things I always think of is that even in Call of Cthulhu, sometimes in horror movies, some things are just so ridiculous. It's scary, but it's also ridiculous at the same time. If you stop and think about it from outside looking in. Oh my god, that's just crazy! And everyone gets a little giggle from whatever the crazy thing. Is. You should be terrified because it's a guy with you know a mask made out of you know patched together you know halfling faces. They should terrify the shit out of you, but you're not because whatever it is happened to be silly. And well, I think
0: it's a defense mechanism.
1: Absolutely, it absolutely is. And sometimes it's it just it makes it fun and changes that changes things up a little bit, lightens it when you need it. And I think though that, um. It does base a little bit on tone and setting, you know, how much you can tolerate, how much you shouldn't tolerate. And again, certain groups. I have played with certain groups back in college that every game was going to be like that to your, to your, uh, comment of, you know, too much, maybe too much. There was no stopping this group. There was just nothing you could fucking do. They were going to go Humor
0: or serious?
1: Humor. They were just always going to be, everything was off rails. Everything was dick jokes. Everything was this. Everything was that.
0: It's all... Yeah, yeah. Sl- slap happy.
1: Yeah, and it was like, that's how they like, they had fun though, and they like, god damn you for trying to make it serious. And right. I have gamed with other people that, that are very like, there will be no humor at this game. We will be dead, we will be, you know, serious, hardcore, everything, all the time.
0: I would only say that they can do that if they speak in old Shakespearean <laughs> English.
1: Shakespearean English is pretty fucking funny sometimes, actually, if you read the plays. um, Okay. It is. Eng- wow. English major. I'll take your word for <laughs> You're it. You're going to have to. Anyhow, now, one of the pieces here to me is, okay, the game starts to go a little extra goofy. Like, all right, I got to reel this in. I got to reel it in. Someone in the group is looking at you like, hey, Brett, please, we've had enough. So-and-so is going a little wacky over there. How do we pull it together? So, Sean, from a Game master side, how do you... What t- kind of tips or tricks are you using to kind of put the kibosh? Like, all right, guys, come on, come on, settle down. I mean, how do you do exactly. it? Exactly.
0: It- you just took the quotes right out of my. you Took the words right out of my mouth.
1: Really? You just you kind of lay it out there that flat?
0: Yeah, just like, hey, come on, let's uh serious now. Get serious. Put let's on the
1: face. Now. Serious now. You get you get the serious face on.
0: Yeah, come on. Let's no, not come on. No dick in our out.
1: <laughs> Excuse me. No dicky roundy. There we go. Right. That's um, right. So I, I do a very similar thing, and I, I think it makes sense to – it's kind of that metagaming outside of gaming, or as the uh, the guys talk about layers and circles and things over at Mr. Director Mark were talking about different levels of play and so on. Um, sometimes you kind of stop and go, okay, guys, I get it, I get it, all right, just – let's go back here, let's go back. I know it's funny, let's just back it up. The other thing I've done is that when we have – my group has gotten so giggly and we're just having way too much fun about whatever the joke is – all right, guys, let's take let's just take a break. Let's get some pizza. Let's go get a beer. Let's do something. Everyone take a break. Smoke if you got them, guys. Smoke go outside. The rest of us sit down, and you just walk away from the table where the joke is because the truth is at the table. You walk away from that for a second, and everybody resets. They come back, and you can start over. And you put a
0: whoopee cushion on one of their chairs. I, that's a goddamn good idea. I'm going to
1: have and to do that. And when they come back, it's a whole
0: nother level of And clarity.
1: that's the last time anyone saw Brett at the table because he was beaten to death by his group. But no, I, that'd actually be kind of fun.
0: Well, you got the, like the uh, I mean, you've got, I mean, you got some serious game guys up there in the Warsaw area.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you game once a month and people you know, take time off of work, some of my guys who work shift work and stuff, when you're like, hey, make sure I got my Saturday off, you want to show up at 4 or 5 o'clock and get going, bits and pieces is fine, but we really can't, there's really the group will not tolerate, an all night just breaks down into nothing but giggles. That's just not going to happen.
0: So, Brett, I challenge you. Yes. I say the next time you run a game up there for them, you show up with a red nose, red clown nose. That's all. That's it? Yeah, and you pretend like you don't have it.
1: My kilt and my red clown nose. Just yes. pretend I'm just pretend I'm not wearing it. Either. Pretend
0: like you're. It's not even there. Even if somebody acknowledges, like, "Hey, dude, what's up with the nose? Go! I don't know what you're talking about."
1: Yeah, that won't work.
0: What? <laughs> I but I want a picture of it.
1: <laughs> you want a picture of it? I
0: want a video of it. I'll, hey, I'll, hey, who would, who would, hey, uh, anybody out there? Who else is in favor of this happening? Let me know. I should do Let that a game.
1: I should do that game hole. I should run like a, at my my merp game or something. Yeah, I should wear a red clown nose at it. Hey, beats a gun. It does. Well, it does. (laughs) It absolutely does. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Like Brett always brings one to our game. That's why we play on uh,
1: virtual tabletop. Yeah, it's it's safer that way. Anyhow, I think the other, other, apart from doing that, um, sometimes I have also from the Game Master side, when it starts and we're trying to be serious, we just kind of got through a, a bout of the giggles or whatever, and everybody's trying to be serious again. When it starts up again, Again, you step out to the game master talking to the player going, all right, no, 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 let's go. Come on, stay serious, guys. Stay serious. This is important. And using language like that brings people back. You can kind of nip it in the bud before it gets a little crazy. On well, you.
0: at some point, you got to ask the person what they're on.
1: Yeah, depending, depending how incredibly crazy it is. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Like, hey,
0: what the hell are you on? And you need to come down
1: off of that crap, whatever it is. So the or other thing I've, I've- Share it with everybody. <sighs> So one well, of the other things I was going to say is that the game master can do that. We can, you know, beg, borrow and and say, please, please, please stop, stop, stop. But one of the keys to me is from a player perspective, when I've been a player and I see the game master trying to get back control and a couple, the a couple other players and I are like, okay, this is enough. Um, we as players will then be like, okay, we're done. <clears throat> All right, guys, come on, let's get back here. Cause I really want to keep the story. I really want to figure out what's going on. This is a very important plot point. This is very whatever. And a lot of times from the player's perspective, when the players tell the other player, when one or two players tell the rest of the group, knock it off, however politely they wish to do that, there can be more power in that than the game master saying so. And um, when the when the players, quote-unquote, offending players, you know, look up at the game master and the game master, she looks at the group and says, yeah, I got three out of the five of you are trying to play a game here. Can we please keep it together so we can move this thing along? That There's a lot of power in that. And I think that's one of the things that I've seen good players do repeatedly over the years, is that they help to control the humor level at the table. When it becomes a little bit too much, they help bring the group back. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We all want to do a thing. We're here to play tonight. Let's, let's get through the plot. And that helps a, a lot. That's
0: a very good example, Brett. And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, players. GMs, exactly. <laughs> and let's have some help, right? Yeah. Hey, if we want to have this collaborative thing, Hey, help a uh, GM out, and uh, you know, have some, you know, some of that come to the table. Have the players step up and put the rest of the players in check.
1: You know, have I'm, that have that inner party turmoil right occur right at the table. Exactly. Give them just hand out the knives and clubs and say, all right, whichever one you've left standing, that's how we're gonna game. Yes. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, I I do. This is one of those times that where I think. The players have more power to control that tone than the game master does. Even if I was a even if I was game mastering and trying to be wacky when wacky is not what the group wants, the group can give you the icy shut the fuck up stare as a whole. Right. And like, right. ooh, I'm done. Because a game master, a good game master is watching the crew, how they react, you know, they're reacting, are they having fun? Are they having a good time? And sometimes when something's funny, you push it a little bit more like any, like anybody else doing improv or stand up or anything. You're trying to get an extra laugh because the group's having fun. People are having fun. And if you read the players, <coughs> the good ones will give you the signs that they want to back it down. Sometimes they stop laughing. Sometimes you're looking at you. They're fiddling with their dice. They, you know, get loud in the group and say, hang on a second. What did you say? The Dwarven Prince said, which helps the game master. Like, all right, hang on. Kevin's asking a question about the Dwarven Prince. You know, Zave. Zave's trying to figure this thing out. John, what were you doing again? Are you fucking off? Or are you actually sneaking? Oh, uh, yeah, hang on. Let me get my... But the players are one of the larger controlling factors to me at humor because the game master can try, even in a funny game, you can try to be as funny as you want, but it's a setting thing. And it really, if the players want a certain level of it, they're, the, they're in more control of it, in my mind, than the game master is.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you on that, Brett. Cool.
1: Yeah. Shit! If we just started with Earth, this would have fuck. The show could have been a half hour. Damn. Well, I do it would know. It Be just be gaming. It would just be gaming. <laughs> the
0: gaming RPG podcast. Exactly. How? What fun would that be?
1: I do. Uh, you know, the last thing I think I have from a point perspective is that I do believe the humor is important at gaming sessions. Um, if you're with your friends, you want to have fun, and some people it it's fun. <clears throat> excuse me to be very serious and have a very. Um, I'm playing a noir game. I want to have a very hardcore noir experience, and blah blah blah. That that's great, but even then, there's always there, there's a chance somebody can have a somebody can do something. Someone could be rolling the die, and they throw it. It bounces off the table and hits Sean in the glasses. That's silly. Someone's gonna laugh. Something's gonna happen. Someone's gonna spill something. If you're if you're gaming at Brett's table, it's probably Brett who's gonna spill something. it um, will be the
0: last time they laugh when they do that to me, Brett. <laughs>
1: exactly, because you're so so mean. That's why. Um, but anyway, something's going to happen, and it's fine. I don't think it wrecks a game to have the humor. I think, like you said, if it goes too far, and uh, in short, the players are the strongest contributors and controllers of that level.
0: Yeah, think we're I good. agree. Like we're good there. I'm I'm down with this man. Totally sweet,
1: folks well, out there. You there go. Folks out there listening, um, let, let us know what you think. I mean, I'm I'm positive. I'm positive. Somebody has a horror story about how humor completely destroyed the game, and uh, I'm curious to hear about it.
0: As I am, as as I, as?
1: Am I? Am I. Thank you. you.
0: Yeah, thanks, English major. I'm trying. All right, let's get into die roll. Do it. Die roll, segment of the show where we handle two to four miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery we want to share with you. Brett's got two. I am an overachiever again this week. I have three.
1: There we go. And I we lead, got one for the I a listener. lead Brett
0: by like I have like a hundred and Brett has twenty, I think, total.
1: It's quality, not quantity. Oh, indeed. It's how you use it, not how not how many you have.
0: It's in the way that you use God it. Damn it, I knew that was gonna happen. Dun, dun, it comes in, it goes. There's, there's
1: some shit I say, I'm like, this is gonna go bad, and it does it every fucking time. Anyhow, so the first one I got is Ancient Cult Artifacts. Uh, the, the <laughs> these eerie bronze hands. If you uh, the link in the show, it's the hands the hand uh, Sabazius. I um, S-A-B-A-Z-I-U-S. It's this uh, crazy weirdness. It's a um, <clears throat> Greeks and Romans walked around with carrying disembodied, twisted corpse-like hands. When I first saw the images, my the thing I went to is I'm like, this is it's got to be some weird hand of glory. Maybe it's a precursor to said hand of glory. But uh, these are the types of little bits and pieces I think are pretty freaking cool from a cult perspective, from symbology uh, to throw into games and um, just occult weirdness. It's always fun to have. The other one I have is an interesting idea for your next smugglers. Um, sometimes we always smugglers are you know slave trades, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, guns, drugs, that type of thing. Um, Benin has gasoline smugglers. Um, certain areas in the world, of course, you don't have quite the same access we do here in the first in the first world, as they say. Um, and there's an article out there about um, these gasoline smugglers that are taking um, basically illegally moving gas from place to place, and it's one of those pieces that you could have. Depending where you are and what the setting is, I could easily see in, say, a fantasy setting, uh, the king, the duke, uh, the queen, the duchess, whatever, he or she wants you to stop this band of smugglers. What are they smuggling? They're smuggling gasoline. They're smuggling an item that is very, very important, and that item itself allows a level of control with the populace. You know, You don't have gasoline, you don't have fuel, you don't have oil, and so forth. That could, be, uh, that could be pretty interesting. Sometimes more interesting in my mind than something as uh, mundane as m- weapons or drugs or something. Sean, your turn.
0: All right. Number one, need a magical sword? 20 magical swords that aren't just long swords. Nice. 20 of them, eh?
1: Yeah. Check it out. Somebody should have found this for our last episode. Indeed. They should have. I know, right? Pretty cool, though. Indeed.
0: Uh, next one, a 400 hour Lord of the Rings board game. 400 dollar,
1: dollar, or yeah, hour? Four, I thought we said hours. Dollars. I thought we said hours, but 400 hours, it's insane. No,
0: 400 hour Lord of the Rings board game, which is, I think, on Geek and Sundry. Good god, um, check it out. It's, I think, Lord, uh, I think it's uh, the War of the Ring, the One Ring, it's the board game version, but
1: is it new? Is it made of gold? I think it's a special edition. Oh, okay. Oh. Love me some Tolkien, but I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um. And then number
0: three, thirteen tips for LARP organizers. Cool. There you go. If you're a Larp'er or you want to organize a LARP,
1: read those tips. I have known a number of people over the years who have run and partaken of LARPs, and they are uh, that's no mean feat to pull together a good one.
0: I don't think it is just based on the whole logistics. I can't imagine That's, putting a story. in I mean, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I've never competed. Competed. I've never partaken.
1: I have, and it's wonky. You do it. and You're like, oh, this is pretty cool. And you, I, I caught myself criticizing something at the time, and I went, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I don't. Know, I think I'd be a little harsh here. I mean, God, there's like 50 of us here. Jesus, you know, it was a pretty, it was size of a sizable LARP. So, anyhow. Oh, we had one from a listener. Chris Shorb told us about a decades-old Dalek found in a UK pond. So for those of you who are Doctor Who fans, the Daleks, the, um, you know, exterminate and so forth, there was a decades-old one found in the bottom of a UK pond. So that is just freaking cool. Apart from the notion of a robot from the future found in a pond from the past, the time travel aspects that go into that and the rest of the Doctor Who goodness. But the... uh. Then, eat that constant unearthing of something, and that could change the world you know type of thing I think that's like that's pretty cool this is the type were i a were I to play the doctor who role playing game, this would be like awesome somebody somewhere the the doctor is taking care of the Daleks, they're fine, everything's good. some jackass somewhere goes, "Oh, what's this in a pond? It cleans it off, exterminate, and there you go, then they're back, so it could be kind of cool,
0: yeah. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, this show is sponsored by Gamehole Con, a tabletop gaming convention occurring in Madison, Wisconsin this November. Get your ass to Gamehole Con and visit www.gameholecon.com for more info. The VIG's uh, registration's occurred.
1: Yes, it has.
0: I've got, we've got some listeners coming.
1: Yeah, Chad's coming. Uh, Chad got his VIG. I think Victor Wyatt is showing up. We've got oh my god, Roger Bracelet. There's a bunch of people. I'm going to miss a name, so I'm going to stop right there. So we got a I number may... of gamers coming. It'll be fun.
0: I may throw out the Uber offer.
1: Oh, you may. We may. We may end up doing another uh, fetching you from the airport thing again.
0: I might. I might just not, do that.
1: Not a bad idea.
0: Especially for folks running games
1: for us. Oh, there you go. That could be very cool. That is,
0: I will put that out there right now. If you're running a game at GameholeCon under our Gaming and BS banner, and you're from out of town and you're flying in, on uh, Thursday I think I can make it. If you do it Wednesday, I might not be able to. It depends on when I take the day off. But uh, there might be some stipulations there. I will pick you up from the airport.
1: Sean's philanthropy is very limited. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah Um, otherwise this show brought to you by patrons like Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, Steve Day Old School DM, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jeff Rodemacher, Forrest Aguirre Misdirected Mark, Brett's Biggest Fan, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Tony Baker Pladian, Corey Wynn, Bruce Cunnington Eric Jefferson, Andy Hall Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen Chris Steele, Knights of the Night Crew, Jason the Beard, Blaylock Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs-Hobbs, Mark Sasaka, Mirko Freilich, and Wayne Lumrunner humfleet
1: Now that we got him in Madison, we kind of squeezed a couple uh, patron dollars out of him, so that helped. <laughs>
0: we, we, we hunted him down.
1: Yeah, we, had, we held him down at lunch last Friday and said, dude, give me your lunch money. It was. Uh, I gotta keep this fucking show floating somehow.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's all it takes. We just need people to move here, <laughs> yeah, so we, we can shake them down.
1: We impress gang them and shake them down. That's
0: the plan. Consider becoming a patron of the show at GamingNBS.com forward slash patreon. Thanks for everybody for supporting the show. We appreciate it. Absolutely, it was good. It's good stuff. What's going on next episode, Brett?
1: Next episode, I want to talk about board games and card games. had a lot of fun playing a little, some card games this last uh, weekend with some friends of mine. And Sean and I have uh, chatted about board games and such off the mics. And I thought uh, we'll bring it up and talk about it here.
0: Excellent. Well, this has been another episode of Gaming NBS. Thanks for tuning in. I'm one of your hosts, Sean.
1: And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.